I'm going to read Amplified from verse 4. The servant of God says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of a disciple and of one who is taught that I should know how to speak a word in season to whom, to him who is weary. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear as a disciple, as one who is taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I have not been rebellious or turned backward. Father, we thank you tonight. Indeed, Lord, we open our hearts and our lives up to you. And we say, use us, qualify us, send us, anoint us, help us, anoint our tongue to speak a word in season, to comfort, to know what to say to a heart that is weary in our city and in our area of influence. We ask that you will help us, Lord. We have a desire. We have a desire. We have a desire. But Lord, we want our desires to rise to devotions, O oh Lord that will be devoted to winning the lost, will be devoted, Lord, to saving the lost. Help us. Use us, Lord. We are servants of the Most High. Indeed, we are your disciples. Open our hearts and our ears, O Lord. Lord, tonight we declare that we will not be rebellious. Speak to us in the few moments that we have and prepare us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Speak to us, Lord. Uh, last Wednesday, we ended by saying that everything we do must embody our Christ-likeness, isn't it? We're going to look at a few things for a few minutes. How many of us are not even attempting the fast at all? <laughs> hey, why, why, why? You think about yourself. Why are you pushing someone to push their hand up? He's fasting in his heart. <laughs> Don't you hear people say that Lord knows my heart? Yeah. Can you see somebody's heart? No, 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 only the Lord in his heart. Yeah, the spirit is willing. <laughs> the flesh ain't giving no room. <laughs> but don't worry, we still have a few more days. So you can finish with us. If you're online and you too, the fasting has gone to the left. <laughs> we still have a few more days to bring it to the right. Amen. Yeah. Every Christian must be develop the ability to fast. And I always say that when something 
is extremely important to you. You do what you have to do to do what you have. Most people who say they can't fast, there's, if you're about to get married and they, they're not fitting the dress, they will fast. It will work. They can even do crash course. They, they get it. So it's not that we cannot fast. It's just because do we find value in it in the moment? Amen. Today we are just going to look at a few things, how to prepare ourselves to be effective in our soul winning. I mentioned a few things and then we'll go home and continue to live for the Lord. I'm going to read a few passages in um, Timothy. I'm going to read the Message Bible and then I'll read the NLT. I'm going to read from verse 14 to 26 from the Message Bible, and then we'll read another portion of it from another, you know. Most of you realize that I like NLT and Message and because for most of us, when you are, the passage is being read from New King James, you feel that it belongs to another group of people. Shit. You know, so I just want to, when I want to have a conversation with you, because if I'm talking to you, I wouldn't come and talk to you and say, thou knowest. <laughs> Believe it, not thou. <laughs> you know, yeah. How many of you know that if you prepare well, you perform well? Oh, you don't know. If you prepare well, you perform well. Yeah. Even if you are cooking, if you do your preps well, your food will be better. Otherwise, you cook and remember that you should have started with something that you haven't even cut up. Yeah. If you prepare well, you perform well. Whether it's exams, whether it's marriage, whether it's work, whatever it is, if you prepare well, you perform well. So if we prepare well, we'll be amazing soul winners. Isn't it? Yeah. I'm reading from verse 1. Repeat these basic essentials over and over to God's people. Sometimes the same thing has to be said and said and taught and taught. Yeah, if you think about it, how many times did you have to read a text before it slightly entered your head? Yeah, you know. Sometimes when the lecture or something or even sometimes you're at work and they are asking, they bring a new system or something, the first phase of it just goes through your head and gets out. You know? Yeah. And the Bible is saying that we have to repeat the basic essentials over and over to God's people. That's why the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing. It says hearing, not head or hear. It's continuous. Do you understand? You have to hear and hear and hear and hear, they understand. And then when you are finished, then you hear, you know. Warn them before God against pious nitpicking, which chips away at their faith. It just wears everyone out. I like that line. Warn them before God against pious nitpicking, which chips away at the faith. It just wears everyone out. So it tells us in 15, 
concentrate on doing your best for God. Work you wouldn't, you won't be ashamed of. Laying out the truth, plain and simple. That's one of the things about effective soul winning is that the truth must be plain and simple. Don't complicate it. And he's saying we should concentrate on doing that rather than nitpicking. Tell somebody, stop nitpicking. You're wearing me out. It, and he didn't say it will wear you out. He says it wears everyone out. And that's why I always say that you should be very mindful of your environment, your association. Because if you hang around somebody who's always mourning, you become a mourner. I, I experienced, you know, especially when I used to get the bus to go to work or whatever, and you're at the bus stop, you're fine. And the bus is late, you're fine. Till somebody who's waiting for the bus becomes agitated and starts fretting. Then you realize that it's time to fret. And then you also becomes, oh yeah, it's really late. And then what, and the, the more it gets worked up, the more it flows, runs over, and then reaches you. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's the same with anything and everything. And I don't care what it is. Yes, you hear people say that, oh, I didn't used to eat that. There are foods, different kinds of dishes that Reverend never knew, had never even eaten before or didn't eat till he married me. And now some of those things are things he likes the best, to even the surprise of his mother, who never fed him that. Do you understand? So the environment he has been in has influenced him. Oh, you don't get what I'm saying? Yes. So whether it's good or bad, <laughs> you will be affected by it. Do you understand? So if we want to be a church that wins souls, then it has to be something that saturates us. It has to be something that's in our, in our environment. It has to be something that we are mindful of. Do, do you get it? It has to be something that is present. It's in our present and it's in our presence. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yes, 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 yes. I don't, I mean, you'll be surprised that most people who now smoke or drink or fill in the blanks, the first time they saw a cigarette, they probably, it never even dawned on them. It was none of their business. The second time was none of their business. Third, fourth. But you realize that as time went on and the availability and being in the presence and being whatever and being whatever and the process of, oh, let me just try one. The process of, oh, it's no big deal. The process of, do you get what I'm saying? If they mistakenly tried one and they never found themselves in any environment that they're smoking, they probably will not continue it as a um, yeah. So if we talk about soul winning for two, three days and you never bother to still keep going in on it, it will not mean anything to you after a few weeks. Do you understand? You forget it. I mean, you forget the need, the drive that God is looking for people to send just to Bailey Street. Belly Road, Cardigan Road, you know, to the city center, to Manchester, to Hall, to wherever, Sheffield, whatever. Do you get what I'm saying? We are, we are still on verse 15. Let's go to 16. Stay clear 
of pious talk that is only talk. Words are not mere words, you know, if they are not backed by. Words are mere words, you know, if they are not backed by a, are not mere words, you know, if they are not backed by a godly life. Amen. So what it says is that don't talk about about piousness. Just live it. Do, do you get it? Yes. The talk that is only talk. Do you see why I like the message Bible? The talk that is only talk. How many of you know that sometimes when people are talking, it's only talk? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm planning to give you 200 pounds in the, just the next couple of weeks. Do you understand? If it's not actually backed by a certain action previously, currently, talk is only talk. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yes. But if somebody has not even said anything, but you remember that a few months ago, you were just there and they came and they said, oh, I just want to bless you with 50 pounds. If they come and they say, oh, I'm trying to put some 200 pounds together for you, you believe it. Because it's something they have lived. Oh, you don't get what I'm saying. <laughs> they accumulate as poison in the soul. Then gives us two examples. Hymenaeus and Philetus are examples. Throwing believers off stride and missing the truth by a mile by saying the resurrection is over and done with. Christ said something. He said that the one who doesn't gather with me is scattering. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it means that if we are not, we can assume that I don't necessarily have to be a soul winner. But your passivity can also even throw people off. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Or even cause people who are supposed to be believers to backslide. Mm -hmm. hmm. Meanwhile, God's firm foundation is as firm as ever. These sentences engraved on the stones, God knows who belongs to him. Span evil, all you who name God as God. You see, you'll be saying, why is Reverend reading all this? Because if you don't have this foundation, if this is not you yourself, everything else is a joke. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes, yes. Real soul winning is from the heart. It's not from the mouth. Real soul winning is from the character. It's not from the act, just the act. Do, do you get it? Because you can act nicely in a moment, but you're not necessarily a nice person. That's why sometimes a lot of girls may be surprised that they thought this brother was nice and found out that he's not nice. Or they thought this sister was nice and found out that she's not nice. She can act nice. Oh, he can act nice. It doesn't mean they're nice. It's Wednesday. I'm teaching something. <laughs> Verse 20. In a well-finished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but also waste cans. <laughs> oh, who wrote this Bible? <laughs> waste cans and... <laughs> compost buckets. <laughs> you know what a compost bag? You put fertilizer inside and see if your plants will arise. Some containers used to serve fine meals. Others are used to take out the garbage. Eesh. Become the kind of container 
God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guests for their blessing. And you see, every time we read this verses, we have to realize that it doesn't matter what you are. If you paid yourself and prepare yourself, you can be used to present and to serve God's guests. Do you understand? Yes. So it means that you can have a silver platter, you can have a gold goblet, whatever, that can become so filthy you can't use it. And you can have a compost, <laughs> a compost bucket that you clean it out. You got to polish it. And when they put food inside, you eat. Oh, you don't get what I'm saying? Yes, yes, yes. Don't raise your hands. How many of us have ever visited a home or gone somewhere and the level of filth meant that you're not going to eat? It didn't matter whether they served it in a... They can bring golden cutlery, whatever, and you can be extremely hungry and you are like... <clears throat> We're actually on a very severe fast. <laughs> yeah. Which means that everyone who is saved, if you will ignore all the chatter and all the nitpicking and all the, you know, talk talk and pledge yourself and become the kind of container that God is looking for, he will use you to bless men. Do you understand? He will use you to reach men. Run away from infantile indulgence. Run after mature righteousness, faith, love, peace. Joining those who are in earnest and serious prayer before God. So it means that during this fast, some people are not in serious prayer. <laughs> Refuse to get involved in inane discussions. They always end up in fights. How many of you agree? That sometimes, you know, you're arguing. Do you understand? Is Jesus a prophet or is he God? Is he this? Is he one of... Do you get it? And then you have foolish this day and then it becomes a fight. God's servant must not be argumentative. Tell somebody they're talking about you now. <laughs> a gentle, but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool. You can't be a great soul winner if you're argumentative, if you have a temper, if you cannot make room to listen to somebody's opinion, because sometimes you know that the person, what they're saying is in the bush, is useless. Do you understand? But the Bible is saying that for you to be able to reach them and be able to also help them, you cannot be cantankerous. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you know what cantankerous is? So <laughs> Working firmly, but patiently with those who refuse to obey. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and a turning to the truth. Amen. May that be your testimony. You know? What the scripture is also telling us is that you can't just give up on people so easily because you don't know when, you don't know how. You are doing your bit, but you don't know when, you don't know how, that God will turn their hearts, that God will reach them. Because we are working in tandem with the Holy Spirit. So we do our bit and he does his bit. 
Because sometimes you may even be talking to somebody, maybe in the city center, they'll be so rude, obnoxious. It's almost like they didn't even hear you. But if the Holy Spirit is using you, they will, you'll be surprised that you have gone and that it has stayed with them. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't remember. I think it must have been sometime last year. So a lady came to church. And then after church, when I was chatting with her, and she, I was like, how did you? Who invited you? Whatever. And she said that she met somebody in the city center who gave her a CICC flyer. And obviously, you know, like how people do, they fold it small and then they throw it away. So as she folded it and then she threw it away, you know, only to get home and find out that it dropped into her bag. <laughs> so as she thought, you know, she had thrown it, getting landed safely in her handbag. <laughs> and obviously, we don't get home and look in our handbags, isn't it? You look in your handbag at some point. So at the point, which was probably a few days later, the client was lying silently <laughs> in the bag, and she said she was afraid. <laughs> so she decided that even if, at least even if she comes once, then she can throw it away. <laughs> you know? So God will, if you are not, if you have the right temperament or develop the right temperament and have the right attitude, Towards those you feel are in the wrong or don't know or, or don't want to be saved or are stubborn. Be sober, be patient. Do you understand? So, Enabling them to escape the devil's trap where they are caught and held captive and forced to run his errands. All of us at one point or the other. The devil was using us to run errands. You know, the, the, I went to a boarding school, and when you are in the junior years, you know, when somebody, even if they want a, a bottle of water or something, there's a one small girl, and you have to run. <laughs> and normally, the one who doesn't run is the one who will be called. So, so you see, those, you see, me, I learned the art of various things very early. I think I was born with it. You understand? So then, as soon as I say one small girl, you take the first step, then they'll say, no, you, no, you. Chai. Oh, Lord. Thank God for salvation, maturity, and growth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The way I was running errands when I was in high school, that's the way I ran errands for the devil. I'll serve you every time. <laughs> but you see, for some of us, not only do we run the errand, we even take other people's errands and run for them also. Because when you look at it and it's like, who is sending me? It's the devil who is sending me. Then when God sends me, then I have excuses. When, when God asks me to just go around the corner, I won't go. But the devil can send me on a long journey, useless journey. Do, do you get what I'm saying? See this. He's saying that we were running errands. 
And not only were we running errands, it was by fire, by force. But God gives us the option. Do you understand? He's asking us that with all that he has done for us and how far he has brought us, and the fact that he has washed us and cleansed us and had mercy on us, do we mind? But the devil doesn't do that. He knocks your head. And then you keep going. Do you get what I'm saying? Number one, let me just give you a few of the points. We have 15 more minutes to go home. When you go home, read the same passage from the NLT. May God use us to change the hearts of men. Mm. And may we not be used by the devil. May we not be his messenger and his errand girl or boy. Some people, their social media page is a page for Satan. You see, if you're a Christian and you're on social media and you spend your time dissecting another Christian brother, sister, a pastor, you are doing the work of the devil. Instead of going to win a soul, you are come to fight a soul that has been won. And in the process, destroy a few souls that had been won to go back and run errands for the devil. We only have two options. There's no neutral ground. There's no lane where we don't run errands for God and we don't run errands for the devil. There's no lane like that. We are in this one or that one. I went to a meeting two days ago and it was supposed to be a faith-based meeting for um, pastors, lay preachers, priests, whatever, across all kinds of denomination. And in fact, other faiths. And then, this morning they sent an email, this afternoon, then I was reading the email, and then, I'm, I said it was a faith-based, did you hear me that I said it was a faith-based? It's not secular anything, faith-based. Yeah, kind, kind regards, God blessing, the person put their name, and then in bracket, my pronouns are, Oh. So now, Shani can understand why I left the meeting and I ran away from the meeting. Yeah. In the church. Yes. With their diocese stamp on it, my pronouns are. So I, I, I said when I respond, I didn't respond because I have to get myself together. I'll respond, my pronouns are Christ. The Savior. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the first area of preparation is your passion and love for God. Your passion and love for God. What God loves should drive you to please him and keep and obey his commandments. Reverend has always taught us that we should have passion, isn't it? Yeah. Passion is a very good thing. When we think of passion, we are thinking of, you know, 
things. But passion for and love for God is a good driver to help us. Deuteronomy 11, 1, the Bible says that you must love the Lord your God and obey all his requirements, decrees, regulations, and commands. John NLT, John 40, 15, the Bible says that if you love me, obey my commandments. That is why when the Lord kept telling Peter, lovest thou me, lovest thou me, lovest thou me, and all of it, when Peter said yes, he said, feed my lamb, feed my sheep, feed. So what was bothering God was who is going to feed my lamb and who is going to feed my sheep. So if I find somebody who is passionate and loves me, then I know that my sheep and my lamb will be fed. Second Peter 3, 9, the Bible says that the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Church of God, the Lord does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent, which means that if we have passion and love for God, our whole mindset towards those who are in the house of God and those who are not in the house of God is that none will be destroyed and everyone will get the opportunity to repent. Am I making sense? That must be our mindset. Yes. And in the dispensation, the generation we are in, the kind of things people may need to repent from, you may not be able to handle it, but God can. Do you understand? If somebody tells you that I've been a prostitute for 15 years, you shouldn't just sign their check and say sorry. <laughs> if anything at all, that is the person that God does not want to be destroyed. When you look in um, Luke 15, from 6 downwards, talk about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the, the lost son, isn't it? The one that we call, <laughs> what do we call him? The prodigal son, isn't it? But you see, the prodigal son was lost. But the elder brother was not ready to help him come out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Didn't have the mind of the father. Didn't have the mind that this boy should not be destroyed. It doesn't matter what he has done. We have to help him repent. Yes. Let's read, let's read some of the passages. Luke 15, verse 6 says that, when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous 
and haven't strayed away. Sometimes we become so conceited and so inward looking over our righteousness and over our salvation that we don't realize that now that we are saved, others need to be reached out to. Because if we love God and we want to do what will please him, he's saying that go look for the lost one. The one sheep, the one coin, the one son, or the one daughter, or the he, she, they, the, what are the other pronouns? This and that. It's, it and it's. Oh, Lord, help us. Verse 9, the same passage that, and when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors over the coin and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels whenever one sinner repents. Modern day Christians, as God blesses us with great blessings, all material things, emotional things, whatever. All of that is for others to also see that God can do things for them. The blessing that God is blessing is not so that you just get fat and just have. It's just so that now you have another testimony to use to encourage somebody. The verse 20, which is about the prodigal son, says, So he returned home to his father, and whilst he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him. This reminded me of Reverend Zoni, because remember that this boy has been sleeping with pigs, isn't it? He's been living with pigs. And he arrives. His father didn't even say, you go shower first and come and give me a hug. Go and change your clothes before. He even put the robe and the ring on him with the filth. And kissed him and embraced him. Can we hug a sinner? Number two. So passion and love for God. Number two, love for people and for souls. That is why John 3.16 will never go old. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only, his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have an eternal life. God sent his son, verse 17, into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Romans 8:32. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? The Bible is showing us that when God loves what he does. John 15, 13. Well, Let me read from verse 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. To win a soul will come at a cost. Not necessarily even financial. 
insults. I mean, you will have to put yourself out to get somebody in. You may have to sacrifice. How many of us have tried to bring somebody to church and you ended up coming late? Normally you even walk or catch a bus, but you had to take an Uber. And then when you got there, you had to even wait, which cost you more. Uber has waiting time, isn't it? It was there. First Timothy 2. I'll give us about one more and then we'll go. First Timothy 2, 3 to 7 says that this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. That is why you need to understand the truth so that you can help others get saved. For there's only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. How many of you know that our world just needs this message right about now? Freedom. Even though we are supposed to be having more and more freedom, actually we are going in more and more into prison. A lot of people are caught up in various... Some of, some of us, it's uh, Instagram that has imprisoned us. Social media has locked us and thrown the keys away. We are looking out, at ourselves through the lens of what is on Instagram or Snapchat, or I heard another one today. There's an, another one. When I remember, I'll tell you. Who are those who come up with all these new things? Mm. Another place where they go and play. They go and play, they go and play. So even though we think we are free, we are not free. And that is why sometimes you're trying to reach somebody and the person doesn't want to know because they can't even realize that they are in prison. Verse 7, and I have been chosen as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I am not exaggerating, just telling the truth. Simplicity of the gospel. First Corinthians 9.16, this is a passage that's... <laughs> When I started getting serious with God, it just haunted me. I'm reading it in the NLT, but I would want you to give us a few different um, versions so that, because I pray that it shall haunt you. We have to share the haunt, all of us. Somebody say amen. Many things have been haunting you. Scripture has come to haunt you. You don't want scripture to haunt you. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. We shall all be haunted by this passage. First Corinthians chapter 9. We shall all be tempted. We shall all. Yeah. If not today, tomorrow, tonight, the rest of your life. First Corinthians 9, verse 16. The NLT says that yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. 
For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Give us another version. And it's not only woe is me, woe is you. <laughs> Give us amplified. Oh, what does this mean? You see, I like the message. He said, and don't. <laughs> if I don't do it, see, see. I'm compelled to do it and doomed if I don't do it. Give us the amplified <laughs> message. It can really be scared. What? I mean, if you are doomed, it's like, why? For if I merely preach the gospel, that gives me no reason to boast. For I feel compelled of necessity to do it. Woe is me if I do not preach the glad tidings, the gospel. May that burden come upon you in Jesus' name. Whether you receive it or not, I'm declaring it upon you. May necessity be laid upon you. <laughs> and woe is you if you do not preach the gospel. First Corinthians 5, 14 to 15. I read the Amplified. For the love of Christ controls and edges and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. Amen. May the love of Christ compel, impel, propel us to share Christ. Amen. Because Paul was saying that I have a conviction. Sometimes we don't have a conviction, even of our own salvation. Let me give us this last few scriptures and then we go. I wanted to talk about this. In fact, let me talk about it before. The next one, number three, influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to empower us to witness. The Holy Spirit imparts boldness upon us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says that the New King James but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will witness. Amen. You, the Holy Spirit will come and empower you to witness. May the Holy Spirit empower us. May the Holy Spirit fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. He, he will come and fill us with his spirit. Amen. Water being poured on water. Chai. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. So he empowers us. He gives us that boldness and that courage. We'll read from 6 to wherever we get to maybe up to about 9. The NLT. This is why I remind you to, to fan into flames the spiritual gift 
God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. But of, how many of us know that sometimes it's fear and timidity that makes us not be able to talk about Christ to somebody? But of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be, verse 8. Oh, let's read it out. But you yourself, you know the way you are reading the thing is not working. Let's try again. Let's read it like we are not ashamed. Amen. Hey, don't be ashamed to tell others. The best nice is that for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And it's that same grace that he wants to show to others. Yes. Okay. In the world we are living in, Reverend Sam, behind closed doors, people need salvation. People need salvation. Today, my sister sent me a clip of, I won't say a friend, but somebody we knew when we were young, who was totally dragged up. And you would think that, because most of the time, even when you meet people who have become cokeheads, they sort of acknowledge that this is not good and I desire to move. No, no, no. She said that illiteracy and backwardness is what is making people not appreciate the value of drugs. Nothing else can help her but salvation. And she was being, because she was actually my sister's mate also, and she was like, and they did uh, biomedicals or whatever. So she understands the chemical compositions of the drugs. You know, and it's like, she's like, I'm brainy. I have brains, which are messed up. <laughs> Beautiful person. The last thing, treat evangelism as a conversation. Treat evangelism as a conversation and come from the point of view of what Christ means to you. Treat evangelism as a conversation and come from the point of view. What am I trying to say? We can preach and we can also converse. There are two different things. Right now, I am teaching, isn't it? And preaching. But when I'm chatting with you, I'm not going to say, turn your Bibles to Second Timothy. What am I going to say? How are you? What's up with you? Why this? Would there be a need to open the Bible or something? Maybe, but it has to come up in conversation. Do you understand? A lot of the time, especially when God saves us and we can see the difference of how we were and how we become, 
We become so pious that we almost become nasty and horrible. We talk at people. Oh, you don't get what I'm saying? We have to have humility. The more you stay safe, the more humble you should be. Romans 6, our last scripture for the day. You know, one of the scriptures that we normally use when we are trying to um, help somebody or encourage somebody to give the Lord a try is Romans 3, isn't it? 23 and Romans 6, 23. But I want to read a couple of verses in both passages so that you have a holistic understanding of what you're supposed to do. Romans 6, 19 to 23, the Bible says, because of the weaknesses of human nature, the NLT, I am using the illustration of slavery or servanthood to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves or errand girls and boys in the day. <laughs> Uh, Do you know that illustration is always good? When you see yourself as an errand girl or an errand boy, it's annoying. Especially if the errand is not why you want to go. And send me that go and buy you chicken or go and buy you fish. Send me to go and buy you gold. <laughs> Which led previously you let yourself be slave to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves or servants to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? What was the result? You are not ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. And the moral of the story is that for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This law, this cannot be changed. I don't care who you are. And that is why when you even encounter people who are morally upright, this, that they don't do anything wrong, whatever, the Bible is saying that if you don't come through Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter what it is. You see, because remember that we have sins, we have transgressions. Do you get what I'm saying? Transgressions, once you are going against God, it's wrong. It may not be wrong in the eyes of the world. But where God is concerned is sin. Do you get what I'm saying? And he's saying that the wages of that one is death. It's not talking just about physical death, even though there are a lot of sins that would kill you. Isn't it? You take the wrong ecstasy to kill you. Yes. You go and have sex with the wrong person, they can give you a disease to kill you. Give me a question. Give me 
essence. Don't mention or mention somebody else's one. You give us to Romans 3, 24, the Bible says that we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. So when you are talking to somebody, it's not that you have become right. You have been made right because you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, including the person you are chatting with who says I'm an atheist, agnostic, whatever. No matter who we are, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. Amen. Declares that we are righteous. It is not because we are righteous, but because he has made us that. And we have been made right because we have placed our faith in him. You see, when you talk from that angle, people will become more receptive to what you are saying. Do you understand? Because for every one of us, Without the word of God guiding us, the Bible says that there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is there. Death. It leads straight to hell. Give me some of the versions of uh, Proverbs 14, 12. That scripture, I think that, you know, I think find it in Proverbs 16 also, verse 25. Yeah. Give me the message Bible. Yeah. There's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. Give me 1625. There's a way that looks harmless enough. Harmless enough. Harmless enough. Harmless enough. Your prayerless life, harmless enough. You'd never read the Bible harmless enough. <laughs> you visit people, you go places harmless enough. When you went, you didn't do anything bad. You didn't even do anything bad. Actually, when you even went, you invited all of them to church. <laughs> There's a way that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. Give me the verse 26 of this one. This one is bonus for you. Appetite is an incentive to work. Hunger makes you work all day. <laughs> appetite. So if we have an appetite for soul winning, it is an incentive to work. And if you are hungry for the lost, it will make you work even the more harder. Mm -hmm. Go back to the other Proverbs 14, 12 again. You see, when you read that verse and you read the verse after, you realize that the matter is serious. The people who are going straight to hell, you must be more driven. There's a way. Yeah, give me verse 13. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. How many of us can relate to that, that scripture? Oh, they, they, it appears as if they are having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, those of us who are in this room who like going to nightclubs, don't they appear to be having a good time, including yourself? <laughs> I like this last verse that we are ending today with. Yeah, people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak, body break, <laughs> brain break. 
Some of them, physical break, leg break. Haven't you seen that? In, especially when we used to live in Birmingham. Remember they used to have these, like, I don't know, garage parties, whatever, those things they used to do. Have. Every time, somebody would be shot, somebody would be knifed, somebody went dancing. Somebody, yes, every time, not only that way, even by the Lozelle's area there. Oh, was not after, at the point they broke even that place. But when, you are, when we are going, let's say we are going for all night or half night, when you are going, you will see them, they'll be dancing, and they come out on the street to chit chat, isn't it? Yeah, even Leeds City Center, a, a few days ago or a week ago, I can't remember who I was dropping at the train or coach station. But some, that time, remember we had a very bad weather. There snowed some streets. The snow, the snow was on the floor. And the lady was in this skirt that was up to you. It was freezing. And the guy was in his jacket, his coat, his everything. And the little, and they were going there and they were chatting. Then he would give her a kiss. Then she, and then they went inside the nightclub. And some of them were coming outside. And all the ladies were wearing things that all their legs were freezing. And the guys were fully clothed and warm. That is a message. Ladies, it's a message. Oh, it's a message. Next time somebody is taking you anywhere, please don't go to the club. But when somebody is taking you somewhere, and you guys say that you wear the short skirt, I'll wear the trousers. <laughs> nah, rise up, point to your feet, rise up, point to your feet.